Swing and a drive. Deep to left center field. Going. Going. Goodbye baseball. This is Extra Innings. Fastball swing and a miss. Strike three. That's going to retire the side. Seattle sports goes inside the Mariners with more stories, insights, and analysis than you'll find anywhere. Drilled up the middle. Oh, what a catch by J.P. Crawford. Step in the batter's box in the top of the tent right now. That's right. It is Mariners Extra Innings right here on Seattle Sports Station on 710. I am Curtis Rogers with you for the next two hours, and we have got a lot of baseball conversation to get to. We'll be joined by my friend and yours, Brandon Gustafson of SeattleSports.com. Also, to begin the 8 o'clock hour, we will hear from Rangers TV analyst and one of the favorites of Mariner baseball over the last 20 or so years, that's right, Mark McLemore, incredible utility man on those 2001 teams. He will be joining me as uh, later on in this show. So much to get to tonight, so much to look back on over the last week plus. The Mariners sit at 5-5 five and five through the first 10 games of the 2022 season. But, yeah, this is a brand new adventure we are going to go on during the 2022 season and beyond. Every off night during the regular season and hopefully during the playoffs, we will be giving you two hours of baseball content every single night. That's right. You have been clamoring for extra baseball content here on Seattle Sports Station, and you're going to get it with myself, with other people who will join me throughout the season on this very show. I'm super excited to bring you everything baseball over the next two hours not just tonight but every single off night during this regular season a regular season that is filled with a ton of hope here in seattle a season where expectations are higher than they have ever been and if the mariners are going to meet those expectations they are going to need to beat these teams in the american league west that have really held down the division over the last five six seven years We're talking specifically about the Houston Astros and what we saw this last weekend over the last three nights at T-Mobile Park. Boy, I don't know about you, but I was feeling very hopeful following Sunday's victory in the series finale against Houston. Not just because of what happened in that game. Matt Brash going strong. Yeah, he dealt with some control issues during that game. We're going to talk to Brandon Gustafson about that coming up here in about 10 minutes or so. But before that, I mean, look, Friday night was just the most incredible night at the ballpark. Opening night at the at T-Mobile Park. I mean, boy, you could not ask for more from the Mariners' bats, including Adam Frazier with that two-run triple to break the game open for the Mariners. And the one-two pitch, swinging a fly ball deep into the gap in right center field. Siri on the run, kick into it. This one is on the track, rolls all the way to the wall. Rounding third, scoring Rodriguez. Murphy rounding third, being waved in. He'll score the throw-in, cut off. No relay to third. Adam Frazier with a head-first slide into third with a two-out, two-run triple into the gap in right center field. And the Mariners lead the Astros three to nothing. And that was an hit for Adam Frazier in that game. He got four base hits, four runs batted in, including this two-run double that if that triple blew it wide open, this one, there was no shot of a comeback from the Houston Astros. Here comes the payoff pitch. Swinging a hop. Out to right field. Tucker is on the track. He is watching. This hits off the base of the wall. What a night for Adam Frazier. Suarez is in to score. Murphy sprints all the way around the bases from first, and he scores. Adam Frazier has driven in four. He stands up at second with his fourth hit tonight. It's a two-run double, and it's a 9-1 Mariners lead. Now, he wasn't the only newcomer to make some noise in that opener. Eugenio Suarez coming over in that trade from the Cincinnati Reds. We know he can swing the bat, and we can. We know he can go yard as well. The most home runs in the big league since 2018. Let's add another to that total. Pitch, here she comes. Swing and a fly ball deep into the gap. In right center field, going and going and goodbye baseball. And opposite field, two-run blast off the bat of A.U. Hanio Suarez. 
His second home run of the season. Three RBIs on the night, and the Mariners now lead the Astros 11-1. to And let me tell you something about that opener. The way the crowd was drowning out Aaron and Rick in the booth, I mean, we all love hearing those guys on the call. But what we also love is hearing the crowd at T-Mobile Park absolutely have a role in the victory. And Jesse Winker, one of the other newly acquired Mariners, he was very complimentary. In fact, he may have let a word slip that it's not exactly radio-friendly, but you can hear it in his voice just how happy he is to be playing in front of a crowd, a sellout crowd that was on that Friday night. Best day ever. This place... This place is an electric factory, man. Holy, holy shit. <laughs> this is awesome. I mean, as a player, this is the kind of atmosphere you dream about playing in front of all year round. Thank you to all the fans that came out tonight and cheered us on. And we need them. We need them all season. This is going to be a great year. I know we're only eight games into it, but, man, if, if you can get to the Seattle Mariners game, we would love to have you, no doubt. Yeah, they don't get like that in Cincinnati, but they do here in Seattle especially when the team is winning, when the team is putting on a tremendous show night in and night out. And look, that extended to Sunday. Yeah, Saturday, Justin Verlander on the mound. What can you do when a legend of the last 20 years in this game is on his A game? When a surefire Hall of Famer does what he does night in and night out, all you can do is tip your cap at that point. But look, with a series on the line, with all that can be had after beating a Astros team to start the home schedule of 2020 to, I mean, look, there was a lot on the line yesterday, even though it is just game 10 of the regular season. And you had Matt Brash on the mound, the young righty, a guy who at one point was just a throw in in a trade has developed into one of the top 100 prospects in baseball and has developed himself into this year's number five starter to start the season He's got electric stuff. Yesterday, dealt with some control issues, but still battled. In fact, he didn't allow a hit until the sixth inning, and it was pitches like this that you could see why the Mariners think so highly of him. The windup and the 0-2 pitch. Swing and a miss for strike three at a slider in the dirt. That's going to retire the side. Strikeout number four for Matt Brash. And we head to the bottom of the fifth. What an afternoon for the kid from Canada. He's been outstanding, working out of some trouble. And I think why Sunday's game was so important for not just the Mariners, but it was so important for Mariners fans, is that over the years, it kind of feels like the Astros have been the bully on the block. They have been the team that has had their way with the entire American League West division. Heck, it was just a couple of years ago when the Mariners in 2019 went 1-18 against the Houston Astros during the regular season. And the Mariners that year finished, I think it was close to 20 games under 500. You know, it was due in large part to the Astros and what they did to the Mariners that year. But coming out of the gate swinging against a team that, look, they're the reigning American League champions, but they are not the, they're not your father's Houston Astros anymore. There's no Carlos Correa. He's in Minnesota. There's no George Springer anymore. He's in Toronto. No Garrett Cole, no Zach Granke. They're not the wave of super-duper stars that have been on this roster over the last half decade. No. I mean, yeah, they are still a very talented team. But they are not the juggernaut that they used to be. And look, the Mariners are not in the throes of a rebuild like they were a couple of years ago. No, they're starting to put the pieces together towards contention. And in 2022, we're expecting them to take a big step forward. We're, we're expecting them to take a giant step forward towards that ability to take over the American League West division. The goal of the Mariners' rebuild has never been to build a team that is going to have a very short window. It's never been the goal to make the playoffs once. It's been the goal to make this a sustained winner. It's been the goal to make this a winner year in and year out, an annual winner. Basically what the Astros have been over the last six, seven years. And a great step towards that is beating the team that has been beating you quite often. And the Mariners look like the better team Friday and Sunday. And looking at the run differential of this series, you could easily say that they were the better team this weekend. Because on Saturday night, it was just one guy that beat the Mariners. It was just one guy that did it. 
It was Justin Verlander, a future Hall of Famer. What can you do when he is on his A game? Not much. You know how many teams put up those kinds of performances against Justin Verlander? The 28 other ones that aren't the Mariners or the Astros. But you know who beat the Astros on Friday night and on Sunday night? It was the entire collective effort of the Mariners. It wasn't just one guy. It was not just hanging your hat on the performance of one one guy's bat or one guy's arm. No, no, no. It was the entire collective unit of this Mariners ball club beating the Houston Astros and sending a message to the rest of the American League West. We have got a great show in store for you tonight. The first ever edition of Extra Innings right here on Seattle Sports 710. We have got Brandon Gustafson of SeattleSports.com. He is joining me next. Don't go anywhere. You are listening to Seattle Sports Station on the Seattle Sports app. You're listening to Extra Innings inside the Mariners on the home of the Mariners, Seattle Sports Station. Join me now on Extra Innings. It is Brandon Gustafson of SeattleSports.com here on the Emerald Queen Casino Sportsbook Hotline. Brandon, just a heck of a weekend down at T-Mobile Park against the Houston Astros, the first series of the year at home. An electric atmosphere, as Jesse Winker told our very own Mike Lefko post game, had some had some choice words as well. Uh, some incredible audio there. But you were down at the ballpark for what all three nights or, or a couple nights? What was your takeaway from everything that you saw down at T-Mobile? Yeah, I was there on Friday, and um, it was like like you said, it was electric. That was a word that uh, not only Jesse Winker used, but. Uh, myself and some other reporters got to catch up with Adam Frazier after the game, and that's how he described it. Uh, Jesse Winker also said just hands down the best atmosphere game he's ever played in. And Julio Rodriguez, uh, he was here for the last series of the year last year um, when the Mariners were making their playoff push that ultimately fell a few games short. But he said the atmosphere was right up, up there with that. So, yeah, just totally electric. Uh, I think – I think having that opening series be against the Astros where you have a few guys that you know are going <laughs> to hear a chorus of boos like Altuve <laughs> and Bregman definitely helps in terms of uh, getting the fans into it. But taking two of three from the big dogs of the AL West, who've won it four or five years now. Uh, yeah, definitely a cool atmosphere down at T-Mobile this weekend. Speaking of electric, let's talk about the stuff from Matt Brash. Yesterday, obviously, he had the walks, but still was effective, only allowed the two runs before getting pulled. What have you seen from him in his first two starts that, uh, you know, look, we all kind of envision the world for this guy. Uh, what do you expect from him now that we have a little more of the book on him written? Yeah, I mean, the the stuff is electric. Uh, we, we saw that, especially his first start. And what what really impressed me, Curtis, with him is the two starts were very impressive for different reasons where – the first start, he was out there, and he had all the stuff going, and he had pretty good command. He only had the one walk. Uh, and then on Sunday, you know, he didn't have the command. The stuff was still pretty good, but he walked six. He hit a batter, and I mean, but they still didn't get a hit off of him until the sixth inning, right? And that was when they finally were able to touch him up a little bit. Um, and one of the things that the best pitchers in baseball do, and we saw it with Robbie Ray on opening day, is, they're able to pitch uh, out of trouble and they're able to work deep into games when they don't have their best stuff or they don't have their best command. So I thought that that was really, really uh, just a good sign for Matt Brash for that start already and going forward. And he's kind of like Logan Gilbert and doesn't look like he lets the game speed up on him too much, really calm dude. So yeah, I'm excited to see uh, him going forward. It's going to be interesting to see how the league kind of responds to the breaking stuff primarily just because they are so dynamic and, He's obviously uh, going to be working that to away from righties and into lefties a little bit. So seeing how they're able to respond to that, righties going the other way on him instead of uh, flailing and missing like we've seen a lot these first few games, uh, it's going to be a good test for him as the as the book kind of gets uh, written about him. But obviously otherworldly stuff, especially for a starter having a mid to upper 90s fastball with two distinct nasty breaking balls. I mean, but you, you can't really ask for a whole lot more than he's done these first two starts. You really can't, especially against two very solid lineups in Houston and the White Sox. Uh, really Absolutely. thrown to the really thrown to the wolves right out of the gate in his major league career. He gets the Royals next, so hopefully uh, he can 
take a little more time to breathe, <laughs> not having to worry, you know, <laughs> one through nine in that lineup. Uh, also on this homestand, you saw it with your very own eyes Friday night, Marco Gonzalez uh, with a dazzling performance against this Houston lineup, really rebounding from that tough start he had in his first start against the Twins this season. What did you see from him on Friday that made him so effective and, and really stifled those Houston bats? Well, he was able to work ahead, which is something that he wasn't really able to do in Minnesota, but it was also just the quality of strikes with his fastball. He was he was down in the zone. He was really hitting his spots. He was working the edges, and when you're a guy like Marco who, you know, he's going to be 87, 89 with his fastball, you really cannot afford to be in the middle of the plate or be up in the zone like he was in Minnesota, and uh, I mean, he got hit hard as a result of that, but uh, what what getting ahead really helped him with too was getting to his changeup, which is just such a great pitch for him. It always has been. Uh, he was able to use the changeup a lot. He was able to use it effectively. And the other thing, Curtis, was because he was just around the zone a lot and he was working the edges. He was able to expand a little bit and get some of those calls regularly off the plate a little bit. We saw a strikeout looking to Alex Bregman at one point on a ball that was just a little bit off the plate. I believe that Kyle Tucker was uh, the victim of that a little bit too. So he was able to just kind of dictate everything and he didn't allow much hard contact. I think he only had three hard hit balls of 95 miles an hour harder off of the bat. So it was just, you know, kind of vintage Marco. It was Marco like we saw in the 2020 season where he was one of the best starters in baseball. And if we're going to get that on a regular basis, I mean, that's that, that changes everything with the starting rotation. Speaking of uh, the Mariners pitching staff, let's go to the bullpen now. And when you see the guys, when you, when you see the bullpen guys, uh, namely Paul Seawald, Drew Steckenrider, Diego Castillo, and Andres Munoz, when those guys are in, they have been darn near unhittable this year. Uh, I know bullpen volatility is something you got to watch out for, and the Mariners' bullpen a year ago was incredible all season long. This year they're off to a great start. Do you think they're going to be able to replicate what they did a year ago, or is is this a level of, of pitching that might be a little tough to sustain with how great it has been? Yeah, I mean, you're right. They, they were fantastic last year, and they've been off to a really, really good start this year. What does help them, I think, the, the loss of Casey Sadler hurts a lot. Obviously, he was incredible last year, set a Mariners record for scoreless innings in a row from a reliever. Um, but something that does help them is the addition of uh, a guy that you mentioned, Andres Munoz, and then they're going to get Ken Giles here at some point. So that helps a lot. Those are two very high-octane arms. I mean, we've already seen Andres Munoz go out there and in the same inning <laughs> touch 103 with just ridiculous wipeout slider stuff. So I don't know if they're going to be quite as, uh, I don't know, consistent, I guess, as last year where they were just nails and one-run games, uh, and, and like you said, bullpens are just so volatile and, and all that. Um, but they, they definitely have the makings of a really, really good bullpen, a top 10 to potentially top 5 bullpen. Uh, the, the thing that is going to be interesting for this bullpen is they're very right-handed heavy. Right now the two lefties they have are a long reliever in Justice Sheffield and then Anthony Misevich, who hasn't really had the best success against lefties that you'd be looking for as a, as a lefty reliever. So that's going to be one thing to look for, especially as they play more in the AL West when uh, the Astros have Jordan Alvarez and you face the Angels who have Otani and Marsh and Walsh and all those guys. But they definitely have the makings of a top-tier pen. It's just going to be a matter of going out there and executing, and so far they're dominating the strike zone, which is what you got to do when you're coming out of the pen there. Boy, and when you have a bullpen that can get you outs in the 6th, 7th, 8th, and ninth inning, I mean, it really makes it a lot easier on your starting pitchers uh, because, boy, oh, this, yeah, this, bull, this bullpen is looking so good right now. Uh, Brandon Gustafson of SeattleSports.com joining me here on the Emerald Queen Casino Sportsbook Hotline. And, Brandon, let's get back to the rotation. Logan Gilbert has looked very solid in his first two starts. I have incredible confidence in him this year. Uh, I think a lot of people nationally do, too. I know the Athletic kind of pegged him as, as being their best starter for the Mariners in 2022. I think Jeff Passan was another person expecting a breakout year from him. What have you seen so far from Logan Gilbert that has him on that trajectory to start 2022? I mean, it's a, it's a pretty simple thing, and uh, it, it's just improved secondary pitches. Last year, he threw his fastball a lot. He threw it nearly 70% of the time, and when he did go to his breaking stuff, primarily his slider, it just it wasn't that good, and it wasn't consistent. 
And this year he's throwing the slider more. He's throwing it harder, too. Last year it was a little more sweepy. It was a low to mid-80s, and now it's more it's more high 80s. It's got more cutter-type action to it, and he's been a lot more consistent with it. And that's huge for getting some punch outs, especially to right-handed hitters running it off of the plate. Uh, but then he comes out there and he's throwing the curveball more. He's able to steal some strikes with that early in counts and then the changeup against lefties. That's huge. And that was a pitch that I saw him throw a lot in the minor leagues when I was watching some of his games. Uh, and it was something that he just didn't throw a lot last year, that and his curveball, because he is a four-pitch guy. And I think particularly his start in Minnesota after he had that mound visit from pitching coach Pete Woodworth, that was kind of when it uh, when it started to click that he needed to go out there and mix it up because he was just relying on the fastball. It is an electric fastball, and it's special, and it can get him through some starts. But having those improved secondary pitches, I mean, it, that just raises the floor for him from a back-end starter to a guy that is kind of where he is right now, which is a top-end number two starter and potentially more in the tank. So been really impressive. Uh, hopefully he's able to work a little deeper into games. I thought he was going to be able to get six, maybe seven in Chicago, but the wind had other ideas with 60-mile-an-hour <laughs> wind gusts, right, in the infield uh, for routine pop-ups. Uh, I mean, that was the only thing that the White Sox did off of him, and uh, like, like you said earlier, that's a really dangerous lineup. It's a really aggressive lineup, and they can hit the ball out of the ballpark with the best of them. So just uh, good, good to see him go out there and have the success he's had against two pretty good lineups and looking forward to this next start here uh, and, and seeing how he can build off of those and uh, hopefully work a little deeper. Let's go to the offensive side of the ball here uh, for just a few moments. Ty France with the huge home run on Sunday. He's off to a great start, hitting nearly 300. His OPS is exactly 900 through the first 10 games of the year. How much longer is he going to be one of the more underrated first basemen in, in the American League? Because we, we know what he can do here. Mariners fans know what he can do. But is the book going to be out on him across the American League and across baseball here? Because I think he is in, in line for a really great season, a season probably even better than what he had a year ago. No, I totally agree with you. And, and part of what makes Ty France so special is a little bit of what we saw on Sunday, which is, he hits the ball the other way, and he drives it into gaps. And the fact that he was able to put it out to right center field, which for a right-handed hitter, I mean, that's that's as far as you got to go in T-Mobile Park to hit a home run <laughs> as a right-handed hitter. So, uh, no, what, what makes him so special is just he can hit the ball to all fields and uh, spray it around and go the other way. And, I mean, he hit 290 last year, and he probably would have hit over 300 had he not tried to play through that wrist injury he had early in the year. He, he had a great year last year, but – I think that we're going to see him tap into some more power like, like we saw on Sunday. Uh, and the other thing, Curtis, was if you were looking at his StatCast chart from last year, he really didn't do a lot of damage on pitches on the inner third of the plate. He really liked the ball middle away, and that was kind of uh, what he was able to do most of his damage on. But we've seen him turn on a few balls here uh, early in the year and on, on that part of the plate, which is really exciting because that's part of why he's gotten hit as much as he has because pitchers are trying to get him inside because he likes to let the ball travel so much. And they've just been missing in, particularly right-handed pitchers with their fastballs. So uh, just being able to control that part of the zone a little more, too, it's just going to make him that much better. And I think that come July this year, uh, where we're going to be talking about him as an all-star candidate if he stays healthy. And I think that absolutely uh, July of next year, when the all-star game comes back, T-Mobile Park, I think we're going to see Ty France out there with the American League's best 100%. He is Brandon Gustafson of SeattleSports.com. You can follow him at TheBGustafson on Twitter. Brandon, what do you guys got going on this week on SeattleSports.com? Oh, man, getting ready for draft season for the Hawks next week. That's uh, that's obviously a busy time for us, so just making sure that that the 12s know uh, some of the top guys that could be available there at pick number 9. Uh, if the Seahawks do end up staying with pick number nine and not trading down and then just more m's talk i mean this is obviously an exciting time right now the beginning of the year uh keeping looking at the pitchers and hopefully getting some more of the bats going along with jp and ty at, at the start here so just more looks at that and uh yeah it's going to be some real exciting times here these next few weeks on the site so people need to stay tuned for that brandon appreciate you joining me and uh, we'll have to do it again sometime soon absolutely for you see raj anytime up next, he has had a remarkable start to the 2022 season. And could he be on his way to cementing himself as the number two guy in this Mariners rotation? Well, his first two starts tell that tale. Logan Gilbert, who has an ERA under one at this point, 
He sat down with our very own Wyman and Bob late last week. We'll hear from the emerging star in the Mariners rotation next. This is Extra Innings. You are listening to Seattle Sports Station on 710 and seattlesports.com. You're listening to Extra Innings, Inside the Mariners, on the home of the Mariners, Seattle Sports Station. Thirty minutes from now, we will be joined by Mark McLemore. You know him as one of the great Mariners, one of the great contributors to the 2001 team. The best team in Mariners franchise history, if I might add. But also he moonlights as a TV analyst for the Rangers TV network, Bally Sports Southwest. He's going to join me in about 30 minutes to give a preview of what to expect from these Texas Rangers when they come to town tomorrow night at T-Mobile Park. Also, we will reminisce a little bit about that 2001 Mariners ball club. What did he think when he first saw Ichiro arrive to spring training prior to that season? Did he envision anything close to what Ichiro became, not just in Major League Baseball, but as a global superstar? We'll we'll play you that conversation in about 30 minutes from now. But coming up right here on this segment, we've got Logan Gilbert, who is right now really starting to emerge as a huge portion of this Mariners starting rotation. Now, multiple national outlets across the sports media landscape had had Logan Gilbert pegged as a guy in this Mariners rotation that should take a step forward in 2022. Eno Saris of The Athletic had Logan Gilbert as his best pitcher in the Mariners rotation this season. This is a rotation that added the reigning American League Cy Young Award winner, if you might recall, which I'm sure you do, Robbie Ray. He gets the start tomorrow for the Mariners. So uh, that's something to look forward to as they continue this homestand here at T-Mobile Park. But Logan Gilbert has always had the hype, being the former first-round pick that he was. Last year, debuting the same time as Jared Kelnick did, and he had some tremendous flashes a year ago. Most memorably, probably that start against the New York Yankees where he allowed just a one hit in seven innings, no runs. He was incredible that afternoon, that sun-soaked afternoon at T-Mobile Park. What has been the key to his fast start here in 2022 against the Minnesota Twins and against the Chicago White Sox? A start against the White Sox where if it wasn't for that pesky wind, if it wasn't for those gale force winds that were wreaking havoc with every single pop fly in that fifth inning, we probably would have saw Logan Gilbert pitch a little bit deeper into that game. That being said, he was still dominant that afternoon. What has gone into his incredible start to the 2022 season and how can he build off of it? He joined Wyman and Bob Friday from the home opener at T-Mobile Park to discuss. I thought one of the most impressive things about last season was how you rebounded from from August to September, from your worst month to your best month when it mattered most. And we saw that in start number one, where you, you know the start got off to a real, it was really rocky to begin with. The pitching coach came out and told you use all of your pitches, and then it was like you flipped a switch and you mowed down ten in a row. And then the start yesterday, you were lights out. I mean, that that to me, the ability to adjust within a game and not have to you know go back and look at the film later and sit with it for a week, that is is remarkably impressive. Right. Well, thank you. Yeah, um, that's the big thing, being able to make an adjustment on the fly. And it, it doesn't always work out that way, but when it does, I'm happy happy that it changed for the better, I guess. Well, Logan, we're sort of halfway joking that, you know, when we talk to you, you go and have good performances. But are you a superstitious guy? Uh, not too much. Um, but <laughs> if it works when I come on here, then I'll keep coming on. <laughs> okay, that a baby, that a baby. Uh, He'll be with us every five days. Yeah. So yeah, so, that's right. Exactly. As far as socks or you know a ritual that you have, anything like that that you try to keep the same every time. Uh, not too much. Um, I, I try to stay away from that stuff. Once it starts, I feel like it just doesn't stop, and then you got too many things to worry about. So yeah. I try not. <laughs> right. You got to eat the same meals. You got to yeah, you know, walk yeah. in the same doors at the same time. It yeah. can get out of hand. Yeah. yeah. 
<laughs> now we, we we were talking uh, we were talking to somebody the other day who was talking about your prep and your your just what you do in the bullpen and what you do to better yourself and and sort of saying it stands out that you're somebody who really really dives into that is that something is that the way you've been throughout you know from little league through high school through the minors and now or is that something that you is really become more of a focus as a pro um, I think a little bit of both. That's how I've always been growing up, but I think it's become even more so since I've been here as a pro. And, um, yeah, just the preparation, everything I can do to try to build that confidence going in, into a start, knowing that I did everything I can do, I think that's the big reason why it helps. Logan, what was the the other day they caught you on TV before your outing and you were getting warmed up with uh, with something. It was like a plastic device or something I saw on television. Can you can you explain what that was, and then you know some of the? Do you have some odd preparation things that other people don't do? Um, I think that was the shoulder sphere, if if I have it right. Um, it's basically like a body blade. If anybody knows what that is, it just warms up your shoulder um, and kind of coordinates the muscles and all that stuff. So a lot of different warm up devices and prep things, like you said. Okay. Hey, what what was it like pitching in the in that kind of condition? I mean, when, there's a difference in in sports. Obviously, we always hear quarterbacks in the NFL talking about. I don't care if it's hot, if it's cold, if it's raining, it's snowing. I just don't want wind. And wind is so problematic. Obviously, if you're an outfielder, but as a pitcher, how does that impact you, if at all? Uh. Yeah, I try not to think about it too much. Um, it actually one pitch, I almost felt like I was going to get blown over in the windup, so that was probably the biggest <laughs> thing I had to battle. But uh, I, I don't know if it made too too much of a difference. I was trying not to think about it and just act like everything was normal. But does it change the movement of the ball at all? Do you adjust for that, or is it is it not in, not much of an impact that in that part of the field? Um, honestly, I, I'm not really sure. I think it depends on the way it blows, and I'm not sure if it's just in my head or not, so that's why I try not to think about it, but it, it probably has some kind of an impact on it. That was that was some really crazy win because we were commenting on, you know, JP. I mean, that guy is so smooth, and, you know, he never uh, looks awkward or anything, but that, that ball that was popped up where they got a run wasn't an earned run, but still uh, that – is that is that as bad a wind as you've ever seen? Right. Yeah, it was crazy. That was the worst I've seen. Um, and I think when you see a play like that, you know that something's off because those guys are automatic behind me. So it just yeah. it was by far the worst thing I've ever seen. Yeah, that is. I mean, it's got to feel good to come out here. The weather. You guys got exposed to some harsh weather in both both stops in Minnesota and Chicago. And now you come out here, and at least right now, it's a beautiful clear day nice and crisp out there this is i mean this is perfect weather are you a guy that would rather pitch when it's really warm or do you like it a little cooler like today what's what's ideal for you um yeah it's it's great back here in seattle now so no complaints i think i've i'm used to the heat coming from florida where i grew up so um that probably doesn't bother me as much as really cold weather um, but right now, when it's a little cool, like in Seattle, all that kind of stuff, I, I'm fine with it. I think it's great. Hey, Logan, we mentioned uh, this to you uh, before, but we talked to Ty France, and he said, yeah, Logan Gilbert's starting to get a little froggy, right? Like he, he was just giving you a hard time, which is kind of funny. And I, I kind of went through this. So my rookie year, I tried to not say anything to anybody. You're meant to be seen and not heard. But then, you know, my second year, it was kind of cool coming back and knowing, okay, now I'm a, I'm a guy that I can make a, a smart-ass comment if I want or, you know, chime into conversation. Are you, are you kind of feeling? that a little bit this year um maybe a little i i guess i don't know um i try not to say anything too crazy but um i think it's just some of the relationships being built here and growing yeah. closer to some guys and uh you know we can go back and forth a little bit uh it, it kind of helps us stay loose and all that kind of stuff so yeah i think that's part of it well, and we talked to Jerry Depoto, and he was saying he thinks this is a, one of the best teams as far as chemistry goes, and that's that's pretty impressive considering you guys haven't, you know, you had a shortened spring training, and you know the lockout happened, and and all that. That's uh, you, gotta, you look around that lock, uh, look around the clubhouse, and think you got a pretty good group there, a lot of fun. Yeah, definitely. It feels like it too. I noticed that right away, even in spring. Um, and then we added some more pieces who have just been a great fit to what we already have here. So I think everybody gets along great and the chemistry couldn't be better. 
Who, who's the guy that just cracks you up in there? Is there somebody that just, no matter what they say, they make you laugh? Um, JP is pretty funny. Um, <laughs> yeah, even when I try to stay serious, he finds a way, you know. So, um, <laughs> even when he, you don't want to laugh. I know, yeah, when I try not to, <laughs> then, it, then it's even harder. Do you, do you think that you can become that guy, Logan? Maybe when, you know, maybe not this year, but next year, that you have the, the material of as far as making fun of your teammates that you could be the funniest guy. What do you think? Uh, that's tough. Uh, maybe maybe down the road, but I'll, I'll need a little bit of practice. Uh, I think that's right, yeah. a while, ways away. Well, just keep working on it, man. <laughs> oh, yeah, I will. So as far as game day, you know, starting pitchers, they all have their different rituals and routines. And, hey, don't talk to me. I don't want to be disturbed. Or I want to hear this music in the clubhouse or what have you. What, what do you like on game day? Do you kind of keep keep away from everybody? Are you interacting like it's any other day that you, you're you not starting? Or how, how does that day differ for you, if at all? Um, I'm pretty, pretty laid back. And uh, I, I try not to treat it too differently. But... Um, I guess I'm pretty quiet. I, I usually have my headphones in, all that kind of stuff. And then once the uh, game's about to start, then I get really serious and locked in. But when I get to the field, I try to take it easy for as long as I can. Hey, tell us about uh, Brash, because, you know, you went through what he's going through uh, last year. And, uh, you know, it sounds like he's he's pretty calm and kind of has a different sort of uh, approach. You know, seems not cocky, but confident. And uh, tell us about uh, about your uh your teammate there yeah um i mean right away that's what i noticed too he's very composed and calm like you said and definitely confident um you you just see it i mean he's i think 23 something like that but he acts way older just in his approach and seems like he's already been up here for a long time with the way he handles himself so it's pretty impressive to see as far as in you just talked about your your demeanor, you know, being serious and things like that, we've seen some emotion out of you coming off the hill, you know, in some big moments, whether, you know, it's a great play made in the field or a strikeout, you you, you know, fist pump, kind of animated, something we don't normally see. Is is that where the name Walter White comes from? Is that <laughs> that's your alter ego out there? <laughs> uh, I, I don't know. Hard to say. Um, <laughs> I, I try to get a little, little more into it, I guess. Um, just going with it, whatever's natural, and um, trying to have fun with it as much as I can. Logan, that got me so fired up that I pumped my fist and I hurt my elbow. <laughs> actually, <laughs> I love that man. man. No, that was uh, Sorry, it, look. Yeah, <laughs> he was doing. No, it. I, hey, listen, you, you keep doing it, man. Keep doing it. I just oh. love that you got hurt doing a fist pump in the air. You didn't yeah. touch anything. Well, I'm an old man now, and uh, <laughs> Logan's a young man. But no, it was uh, that was cool. And you know, I guess you kind of have to be careful as as a pitcher, right? Or you know, you don't want to be too demonstrative, or or just as a player, I guess, in general, right? Right. Yeah, I think it depends on the person's personality. Um, that's kind of how I've always been, laid back and um, pretty chill, that kind of stuff. So I, I don't really get too animated. But uh, if the situation calls for it and, um, you know, if it can help me stay in it or get locked in, whatever, I'll try to, try to use it. Do you feel like the, the umps out there kind of have to warm up and find their rhythm as well, just like the players finding their timing and everything? Because it's 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 interesting to see the – the disparity, there's a lot of disparity between strike zones when you're dealing with umps, and I know they all have their own individual ones, but just isolating Julio Rodriguez up there and some of the called third strikes on him have been questionable at best, and I'm being nice in saying that. Do you, do you look at that and go, all right, yeah, it's early season. That's They're, they're going to find their rhythm as well? Yeah, it could be. I, I've never thought of it that way, but, you know, that, that could be true. Um, I've noticed a couple of calls on Julio that you're talking about, too, so... Uh, I think that's just part of the game. Um, yeah, like you said, like we get into it, find our groove. They're probably doing the same thing. So I think that just comes with a little bit of time. Is it, is it hard as a pitcher to adjust to that? Or is it because I've always talked about, you know, when I've talked to pitchers in the clubhouse or even hitters and they're like, listen, I can live with a guy who's got a different strike zone as long as he's consistent. If he's going to call, call the ball up and in, do it all day or low and away, whatever it is, call it off the plate, low and away, just be consistent. Is that how it is for you in terms of dealing with an ump? Yeah, definitely. That's how I see it too. Um, the consistency, you just know what you're getting into and, Usually it's pretty similar. Um, 
game in and game out, and then you'll have a couple differences. But as long as you know them, then it's not as big of a deal. Yeah, Logan, I always say that, like, as a fan, I enjoy complaining about the umpire. I really do. I, I love it. I, I'm like, I just He love... likes to be miserable, Logan. Yeah, and, and, you know, I like to complain about him and everything. But, you know, they talk about them, uh, you know, replacing him with a, a robot or whatever. I, to me, that would be a huge mistake. I, I love that part of it. And, uh, yeah, I'm just curious what, what you think about some of the changes just in general and that one specifically. Uh, yeah, I think I side with you. I'm used to the umpires, how they are. I think it's part of the game and all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. And there'd be more changes that you have to get used to with the uh, uh, robot zone, even though it's supposed to be the actual zone. I think we're used to a little bit different than what that would be calling. So hmm. I think the umpires are part of it. That was Logan Gilbert. If you want to hear that original conversation or any conversation you hear on Seattle Sports Station, make sure you're downloading the podcast at seattlesports.com. Every hour of every show is there at your fingertips. You do not want to miss it. You could also subscribe Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, wherever it is you get your podcast. Make sure you're subscribing to Extra Innings. We're going to have a lot of content coming your way over the over the entire course of this 2022 season. So make sure you are downloading and you're subscribing. Hit that subscribe button where it just automatically appears on your phone or your mobile device, whatever it is you're using to listen to this podcast. Coming up next, a great conversation I heard this week on unwritten rules in baseball. They're pesky. They're not going away, unfortunately. What can we do about them? We'll hear that conversation Coming up next, I'm Curtis Rogers. This is Extra Innings. You are listening to Seattle Sports Station on 710 and the Seattle Sports app. You're listening to Extra Innings inside the Mariners on the home of the Mariners, Seattle Sports Station. Unwritten rules. Whenever I hear that word, I just get a bad taste in my mouth because... It feels like in 2022 we should be on we should be beyond the point of having to police the game in a way that none of us even really have a set definition on. There is so much gray area. It's almost entirely gray area when it comes to unwritten rules in the game of baseball. And to me, when I hear that word, uh, when I hear those words, it just it is just one of the most unpleasant things I think about when I think about baseball. And when I hear unwritten rules, it makes me think of a song by Natasha Bedingfield, of all people. Yeah, staring at a blank page before you. Because that's what unwritten rules are. There's nothing. They don't exist. They're not real. But baseball players and baseball coaches, they would lead you to believe that that's the case. They would lead you to believe that these rules, you know, do not steal when up by a certain amount of runs. Do not bunt when you're losing in a no-hitter. Do not do X, Y, and Z because it's etiquette, because it's gentlemanly. No. Why would you ever, ever want to take the bat out of somebody's hands when they have worked as hard as they have to get to the major leagues? Why would you ever ask a pitcher to groove one to a team losing by 15 runs? It makes no sense to me. It makes no sense to a lot of people that watch the game of baseball. If it makes sense to you, I want to hear from you. Text in to the Mac and Jacks text line, 206-421-3776. But, boy, oh, boy, it just it is so mind-bogglingly, mind-bogglingly frustrated. It is so frustrating whenever this topic comes up. And it comes up every single year in baseball. It comes up every single year, at least a couple of times. And the most recent example is a game between the Padres and Giants last week where the Giants had a very comfortable lead on the Padres, and they were stealing bases. They were bunting to move runners along. They were not letting up at all. And the Padres took great exception to that. And look, you're the Padres. Weren't you just a couple of years ago taking advantage of some of these unwritten rules Weren't you guys swinging away, swinging for the fences when you were up ten runs against the Sandy or against the uh, Texas Rangers back in the 2020 season? Fernando Tatis Jr. famously hitting that grand slam to give the Padres a 14-run lead when they were already up by ten. 
wasn't that the same team? So why now are they bothered by this when just a couple of years ago they were doing what was done to them? Giants manager Gabe Kapler had some very, I think, important things to say on the matter that baseball fans should really take a listen to. And earlier, and late last week on Friday, Stacey Ross and Ryan Roland-Smith I thought had a great conversation about unwritten rules, not only from Stacey's point of view as a baseball fan, but Ryan's point of view as a former major leaguer, as a guy that may have been asked to participate in some of these unwritten rules. Let's take a listen. In the game between the San Francisco Giants and San Diego Padres, things got heated uh, when the Padres decided that Gabe Kapler and the Giants broke some of baseball's unwritten rules. But are those rules actually just plain stupid? Here's what happened. So it starts when Giants center fielder Steven Duggar uh, stole second base. Now, San Diego, uh, they, at the time, they were being led by nine runs. The Giants were leading San Diego by nine. But it's also the second inning. So there's that. Uh, also, Padres not happy when later a giant shortstop, Mauricio Dubon, decided to bunt. Uh, oh. Now, that was in oh. the sixth inning. So stealing second in a bunt. Now, when I first saw this um, story, the idea of getting mad about baseball's unwritten rules, I hadn't watched this game, so I was reading it after the fact. And I was like, well, did they did they go for like a grand slam up like 10 in the ninth? Or did he swing when it's like you, you shouldn't, you should just take it? But no, it was stealing a base in the second. So uh, before we dive into whether or not we actually think that they broke these rules, we'll start with what Gabe Kapler had to say about it. In cut number 14, he explained why they focus on this competition. Everybody is competing on a Major League Baseball field. It doesn't make any sense to have one part of the field stop competing and the other part of the field keep competing. I can't think of a reason why that makes sense. Pitcher on the mound is trying to get you out batter at the plate stops competing with all of the tools at his disposal i've never i've never quite understood it i don't understand it now and i don't think that the best way um to play this game is to take away any of your tools to be successful on a major league baseball field i mean he's not wrong i 100 percent agree right and, and because you can go down that rabbit hole of all these unwritten rules now a couple as a player, this is the worst, man. You have a huge lead. Now, you're starting a game, whether you're doing good or bad in regards to your season, stuff like that. You get in the third, fourth inning, you've got like an eight-run lead. Right. Hey, just throw fastballs down the middle. Just compete. Just throw the contact. What? Like, I'm sorry, but first of all, I'm either trying to get to the big leagues, I'm trying to stay in the big right. leagues, or I'm trying to have – I'm not just going to feed these dudes fastballs just to get through the game. Ruin no. my stats yeah. to be polite? Exactly. What? And the other thing is, too, do you think I'm trying to walk, guys? Like, you'll walk someone with an eight-run lead, like, I don't know, compete. I'm like, uh, yeah, like, I'm, I'm just trying to, like, you know, mess around here. No, like, I 100% agree. This is – there's a lot of money involved in this game. This is a grown, a, a grown man's game where it's not Little League, anything like that. It's not – Hey, you okay over there? No, no, no. Go for it. A couple other ones too. Justin Ver, uh, Justin Verlin had a, had a no hitter going. Someone bunted against him, and people were like, "You can't do that." You know, if you're throwing a no hitter, it's like, "No, no, no. We're getting no hits. Yes. You understand? Yeah. We yeah. have to get on base somehow. We can't hit this dude. He's nasty right now. We have to generate some sort of all these ones. I've never understood. So I completely agree with Gabe Kapler. On I find these. it rich that the Padres are the ones complaining about this because just two years ago yeah. we had that huge fiasco when Fernando Tatis Jr. hit the grand slam. Slam they Diego. Like, they were already up by like ten runs. That's at that a, point. Yeah, that's a good point. And so like, and they where, the where do you time. get off? Right. Uh, Kapler also in cut number six or excuse me, fifteen is asked. Okay, well if you're if you're going to still steal in second up by nine, like what's your threshold for when you take your foot off the gas? What's the threshold? One team thinks it's eight runs in the sixth inning. Another team thinks you just keep, you know, keep going after it as long as you're early in the game. But there's no real, you know, cutoff point. That's a, a tough place to, to be. I, I don't think that there should be any of that personally, clearly. Um, but at the same time, I understand that we all have different opinions and vantage points on this. And those, it's okay. We don't have to see this the same way. Other important point, an incredibly competitive division with great lineups mm -hmm. for multiple teams within this division. And it wasn't um, – he adds on to this, like, you're always competing. Like, yeah. why is this something – like, 
I, this rarely happens in other sports where they're like, lay off, man. Yeah. <laughs> Take <laughs> it, just, it easy. It just doesn't. And, and no, no one does that. And again, like, if you want to, it's funny too. I love the fact that he goes into that. Well, what's, what is the, what is the threshold? As a player, I never quite knew because there was times it's like, I'd be sitting in the dugout half asleep because, you know, we're, we're getting blown out or something right. like that. So-and-so would take off and then someone would start yelling from the dugout. It's like, oh, well, hold on. Okay, so hold on. It is seven runs. We are in the fourth. But you know what? If they score three here and blah, 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 blah. Like, what is the threat? It's, it's ridiculous. And, and you, you brought up a good point before we came on. Of oh, the bullpen. The bullpen. Yeah. It's, it's so important, man, because all of a sudden you start chipping away at that bullpen it changes game two, game three, game four of a series. Well, and that's what he said. He's like, we're playing this series. Mm-hmm. It's not just this yep. game. So it's like, I'm not trying to be fully respectful and just say, all right, you know, we'll take the L or we'll take the win here. You guys have, you know, waved the white flag. No, we're trying to uh, affect tomorrow's game right. and the game after that by making sure that you have to go through your bullpen. And we've seen that happen for the Mariners when they would have bullpen days in part because of their injuries to their starters. But you just have a bad game and all of a sudden the next day, what are the conversations we're having? How are they going to get this done against this lineup when they've got like two guys that have rest later on in that segment ryan makes a very interesting point about how guys who are on the fringe of the major leagues are often asked to let up in those situations they're asked to allow for balls to get through they're asked for they're asked to groove pitches down the middle they're asked to do things that would ruin their stats and as we know in major league baseball your stats are your worth. They are your resume when it comes to negotiating a new contract, when it comes to sticking around, when it comes to elongating your career. By asking these guys who are on the fringe of Major League Baseball, because look, that's those are the kinds of players that play in garbage time, you're asking them to let up, you're asking them to not play to the very best of their abilities you're almost asking them to do something that benefits nobody in particular it doesn't it doesn't benefit them it doesn't benefit their opponent it might benefit you because they're giving it might benefit you the owner because it's they're giving up more runs you don't have to pay them as much that to me seems very counterintuitive to what we love about sports is the competitive aspect of it is giving it your all is seeing these guys hustle no matter the situation in games Asking a player to not be the very best version of themselves from innings one through nine doesn't sit right with me. And it shouldn't sit right with anybody who thinks that unwritten rules have a place in this game. Because it's 2022, and they don't. And if you still think they do, boy, oh boy, has the game passed you by. Coming up next, I am joined by Rangers TV analyst and one of your very favorite Mariners, Mark McLemore. He joins me on Extra Innings. I'm Curtis Rogers. You are listening to Seattle Sports Station on 710 and the Seattle Sports app.